Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, the Lakers got their butts kicked. That's not all that surprising. Taylor Horton Tucker looks super duper iffy in his return. Also not all that uh, surprising. What is not exactly ideal, though, is that the Suns beat the crap out of the Lakers while they weren't exactly lighting the world on fire either. I think there are three macro conversations that we can have out of the season that the Lakers have had so far. Uh, Not directly a result of the game last night, but in just... If you were to look at this season and some of the questions that the Lakers needed to answer or or some of the questions that the Lakers now need to answer, I think there are three serious discussions that we need to have. One, is it time to stop looking at injuries and saying, what if? The injuries aren't going anywhere. Two, what exactly is the goal here with Taylor Horton Tucker? And does that goal line up with the player that he actually is rather than the player that the Lakers hope that he can be? Three, given that we know that the data by which you are going to be making decisions, big decisions moving forward this season is going to be flawed because of the injuries, are you willing to make a major decision based on mostly theoretical information and and, and like where uh, and 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 be realistic about that th- those those theories those hypotheses that you'll be having to operate with come trade deadline and then come next offseason so let's have those three con- or versions of those three conversations the first one is rather simple We knew heading into the season that the Lakers were going to be dealing with injuries of some sort, right? It's a super old roster, and then the young guys got hurt, and it's not like you could look at the old guys once the young guys get hurt and get hurt and say, well, I guess you guys just got to stay healthy now. Uh, Now, was there any foreseeing the uh, COVID outbreak that is currently affecting the Lakers? No. Was there any way to foresee that those young guys were going to get hurt not really. And then, you know, was the Lakers roster set up in a way that allowed you to adapt to whatever situations would come about from those uh, from those injuries? And I would say that the answer to the last one is clearly a resounding no. The Lakers all season have been waiting for Trevor Ariza to come back uh, as a means of unlocking a roster. 36-year-old Trevor Ariza on a minimum contract shouldn't unlock anything. He should add to something that is already unlocked. Uh, This idea that, you know, Rob Polinka was saying, oh, man, it's really been a bummer that they haven't had Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn? This is like $5 million a year, Kendrick Nunn? This is a a linchpin to your your season? And so, like, yeah, it's impossible. Like LeBron said after last night's game, no, we can't use this as a barometer game uh, because the Suns are fully healthy and the Lakers are not. Okay, sure, in that vacuum, they're fine. But also, it's the oldest roster in the league and injuries were always going to be a factor. There's no way of predicting who they would 
uh, they would affect. But given the fact that, you know, now we know that they have impacted, like that's that is thinking that the Lakers would be able to go through this unscathed, that Trevor Reese or Kendrick Nunn would go through this unscathed, and that all of these veteran minimum guys would, would love live up to well above market value. Like in theory, sure. If you can affect the sliders, but you can't. Conversation number two. Hey, What's the deal with Taylor Horton Tucker? Like, what are they? What 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 do they think he should be able to become here with this Lakers team, and how close is he to becoming that player? So, the type of player that we kind of sort of know Taylor Horton Tucker is going to be the archetype, right? He's an ISO player who uh, is, is is fantastic at getting to the rim. He's long for his frame but you know and and there's 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 some potential there but just in terms of like things that he is really good at the things that is really good at is getting to the rim finishing once he gets there and then some of the on-ball defense stuff some of it I, I I'm still not as sold he has the body type to become a good you know or, or, or the length to become a good defender but that again is not the player that he is right now. The player that he is right now is a second unit ravager kind of guy where, all right, Lakers need a few buckets. The Lakers need a spark. Go out and do your thing, Talon. And, and the Lakers signed him as somebody who is not the, they, they, they looked at him as a player that he isn't right now. They, they see him. If he is starting, next to Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and Anthony Davis under any circumstances that's just that's just not an understanding especially by the way if like it's DeAndre Jordan or Avery Bradley out there and you don't have another floor spacer to to allow this guy to do the things that he's actually really good at it's it's just it's just a complete misunderstanding of what this guy is actually good at i don't know if that's a coaching staff thing i don't know if it's a clutch thing i don't know if it's a, a gm thing I, you never know with the Lakers and, and the way that they operate. But what is fairly clear is that whoever is pulling those strings is, is completely misconstrued when it comes to the player that Taylor Horton Tucker is right now. And if you're saying, okay, well, what they're trying to do is groom him for the role that, he's, that you're hoping that he could fill and, and really live beyond that contract or produce beyond the contract that they sign him to. Okay, fine. You're grooming him for something that might take place two, three years from now. And if you're grooming him for something that might take place two, three years from now, that is potentially wasting the window, the, the title window years that you have LeBron for, and maybe even AD for. Like it's, it's not, it's not completely out of the question that we've seen the best basketball Anthony Davis is ever going to play when 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 we saw what we saw in the bubble. So and and Russ isn't exactly getting any younger either, right? So if you're telling me that well the what the Lakers are trying to do is 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 play this guy and and basically kind of mold him into the player that fits with Russ and LeBron and AD. That's a long ass process that won't necessarily come to fruition and definitely might not come to fruition this year because this guy's your only tradable asset 
So why not optimize the asset? Why not optimize the player that he actually is? I feel legitimately bad for THT. He plays 31 minutes last night, 1 of 13 from the field, 0 of 8 from three-point range, one only 1 of 2 from the free throw line. This is something, getting to the rim is what this guy is best at, and he's shooting two free throws. One of the only bright spots this, this year for him has been his free throw shooting, and he, he can't get to the free throw line because he's playing with all of these lineups that force him to play in a freaking broom closet. Um, and And... So, like, he's getting shat on all over Twitter right now for not playing up to expectations when he's playing in a situation that is just just completely bass-ackwards when it comes to what he actually does best out there. So, I look, I, he's, he's a good kid. He's going to keep working his ass off. He's going to keep pushing himself, and he's going to keep trying to fit into the role that the Lakers need him to fill. I just, I have serious doubts. I'm not doubting the talent. I'm doubting his ability to fill that role that is clearly not the kind of uh, way that he prefers to operate. This is this is what we knew in college. He was a, a high-volume, high-usage uh, type of player who can go out and get a bucket, who can look great in workouts and all those things, but somewhat limits your ceiling if you're actually going to let him operate on the ball as long as he prefers to operate on the ball. The way that you get around something like that is playing him with second units against inferior defenders where he can operate a little bit longer on the ball and not take the ball away from LeBron, Russ, AD. This isn't fucking neuroscience. This is... This is Basic stuff that, whether it's Vogel, whether tonight it was Fisdale, whether it's Clutch, whether it's Polinka, whether it's the Rambi, whoever is pulling the strings behind the scenes here or in front of the strings or in front of the scenes, whoever is making these decisions needs to wake the bleep up and recognize the player that Taylor Horton Tucker is right now and stop thinking that he's going to become the player that you hope to be Three years from now. The last conversation that needs to happen here is another tough one. Because, look, AD is going to miss a month. That means he's going to be coming back late January. The trade deadline is early to mid-February, February 10th. So if you're getting Anthony Davis back only a couple weeks before the, uh, or a few weeks before the trade deadline, you're talking about, a, a very poor sample size when it comes to what the Lakers actually look like when LeBron and AD and Russ out there together. So if you're going to make a decision on Russ, well, you're, you're operating basically with, with hypotheticals about how those threes fit. Those three guys fit together. If you're going to be moving Taylor Horton Tucker, um, you're, you're not getting a great sample size about how he looks alongside those three guys whether it's in lineups with those three guys or as a role player who operates when one or multiple of those guys are sitting down. And and the Lakers are going to have to make some tough decisions. It's not like they're going to light the world on fire here and, and, and be able to just kind of skate by without making changes to the roster at the trade deadline. We know that's not going to be the case. Now, if the Lakers are okay with just kind of toiling around mediocrity, toiling around 500, and then trying to catch somebody by surprise whenever everybody is healthy, 
That's another route that you can go in. But there again, the risk there is that the same theories that went into this offseason are going to carry you into a postseason and maybe one of the few last postseasons, maybe one of the final postseasons where LeBron is able to do something like we saw in the first half here where he single-handedly kept the Lakers in it. So I don't know. To be completely honest, I don't know. I'm also not paid in the same way that I'm sure Rob Palenka and and the Rambi and all those guys are paid uh, to, to figure this stuff out. I have a fairly good idea. I'm lower on this team, clearly, than, 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 than those guys are. Um, but at the end of the day, the people who are going to be making the decisions about the direction that they take this, this team in, and by the way, those are going to have ripple effects that extend well beyond this year. Those decisions are going to be made under suboptimal circumstances because the data that you are putting into those decisions, those those uh, equations, that data is going to be skewed heavily because we haven't seen and we likely won't see this team at anywhere near full strength. Good luck. And look, it's I don't want to just kind of jump to all these tough conclusions or or jump into these dive into these tough conversations on a night where the Lakers struggled to beat a top three team in the NBA but we saw in that first half that LeBron fairly miraculously kept the Lakers close and what went into that was a Suns team that shot on the night they shot well below their three-point average uh it got better as the game went on, but in the first half, they shot like 23%. That's that's not how the Phoenix Suns usually shoot. So that keeps them in, uh, that keeps the Lakers in the game in the first half. And then in the second half, the Suns start shooting a little bit better. And oh my, look at that. The, the Suns, the way better team, looks like the way better team. And so like you knew the Lakers weren't going to be competitive uh, or, or, or you knew if the Lakers were going to be competitive, it was going to take... The Lakers either making some breaks for themselves, which I don't think they did a very good job of. I, if David Fisdale, if that's like his audition for what this is going to look like when he takes over, please stick around, Frank. Uh, but I, I think the Lakers are going to have to do a better job of creating breaks for themselves. And then they're just going to have to have quite a bit of luck against teams that are just flat out better than they are right now. Uh, and maybe just flat out better they are than they are, period. The Suns just might be better than this year's version of the Lakers that just might be the case and the Suns are definitely way better than this current iteration of the Lakers again to get back to that question that we just finished with number three though we know that this year's version of the Lakers it we might not see very much of the optimized version of this year's Lakers team we might not see very much of because everybody is hurt or everybody was dealing with something or other and that just might be how this season goes. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you did, to the pressure cooker. Uh, I'm not going to be doing one for Christmas because if this is any indication of how that game is going to go, I don't want to be live on camera when I could be hanging out with my family. So until I talk to you guys, we do have a few more shows to go this week. Um, and, and we are going to be 
you know, kind of trying to carry you all the way through to uh, Christmas and the rest of the holidays. Uh, but we'll see how well we're able to do that because we do all have families and it's not good for our mental health to talk about this deep. So until tomorrow, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good day.